Welcome to the RSM Podcast, Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about Rock Solid Ministries, our free revival service, printed materials, and devotionals, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. My guest today is Philip Gore, elder at First Christian Church in Vandalia, Missouri. And uh, Philip, we met a couple of years ago when I was holding a revival here in uh, Vandalia, and you had just, I believe, moved back home from Texas? Yeah, I had, yeah. That was about two and a half years ago that we moved back, and almost we just, three. We said hello and uh, sat in your Sunday school class. Yep. I told you the story the other night, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it to our listeners, all right? Okay. Um, we were in there, and Greg and Lori Strickland were with us. They were doing the music last time we were at Vandalia, and uh, your subject was on the TV, what you're going to be talking about, and it, uh, you mentioned what it was. It was... Uh, what about people who had never heard the gospel? Yeah, what about people who die life? and never yeah. heard the gospel? And I looked at that title, and Greg looked at that title, and we looked across the room at one another, and we both had this look in our eyes, and we knew what we were thinking, like, oh, man, here we go again. Because I'm going to be honest with you, and, and uh, my apologies to anybody whose class I've set in that is listening, and hopefully you're not one of those, but we've been to a lot of churches where we sit in a class and People just go off on a tangent. They don't know what they're talking about. They uh, and just go on and on. And uh, I thought, here we go. You know, here we go again. And you got up there, and I'm just going to say you did a magnificent job with it. Uh, in fact, we talked about that all the way back to the motel that afternoon. Uh, how good that was. And then this Sunday, I got to sit in your class again, and you just did a tremendous job. And uh, I'm excited to speak to an elder who uh, knows his scriptures and knows how to share. And I'm no, no offense, elder. I know the scriptures I studied for that Sunday morning, we'll put it that way. Well, <laughs> no, I appreciate you saying that. It's very kind. Right. Yeah. And I, I know you're prepared. I know, you, you know, I, you can't just off the cuff, you may not be able to have the answer right away, but, but you came in prepared. And I, I appreciate someone who's, who studied the scriptures and comes in prepared. But uh, really what I want to know is, is about your life. And that's what we do on this program is... Uh, give you a chance to tell us about you, about where you, um, if you want to, about where you grew up, your type of, of upbringing, when you came to Christ. And uh, so, uh, Philip, tell us your story. Sure. I was telling your wife that I love the sound of my own voice, like most preachers, talk and talk and talk <laughs> about anything, but I, I don't like talking about myself yeah. uh, very much. But I'll be happy to that. do it. I'll, I'll get over it, and you'll be, you'll be like, <laughs> He said he didn't like talking about himself, but he sure was easy doing it. But uh, no, I grew up here in Vandalia, Missouri, uh, really outside of uh, Vandalia, Missouri on a farm. Um, uh, my father was a farmer. He farmed 53 years before uh, he retired. And so um, it was an excellent way to grow up. Um, you know, early on, all of, my, uh, all of my heroes were guys around here who were farmers is what I wanted to be uh, when I grew up. Um, and one of the great things about growing up in this church at the time, um, church was slightly larger at the time and, and, um, pretty much from, it might've even been kindergarten on. We had boys Sunday school classes and girls Sunday school classes. And I had grown men teaching me Sunday school from 
five or six years of age. Isn't that wonderful? It yeah. left an impression. And, and of course, almost all of them were a farmer of some kind or other. Right. And, and from, from where I was coming from, that left a huge impression as right. well. And so got no sense of church being for women and kids. And when I grow up, I don't need to be bothering with this anymore at all. Right. Visually, did not you, you saw it that that was not the case. Um, and so uh, that made a big a big impact on me. Um, I became a Christian at a fairly young age. Um, there was a grade of school that I uh, just cheated my way through the school, through the year of school, and I was old enough to put the pieces together that this isn't bad because the teacher says so or mom and dad say so. But there, there's there's now some kind of a problem with God and I. Okay. Uh, and and I wasn't I wasn't too young to get baptized or make that decision, but I was fairly young and. And my mother put me off until I unprompted said enough of the uh, the right things to uh, um, uh, to get baptized. Um, actually, the Sunday school class I teach is not my Sunday school class. I'm not the regular teacher. You've well, caught me that. filling in both times. Right. Uh, the gentleman who baptized me teaches that class. Right. Um, and was, I think I've heard him. He was as a youth well. minister at the time. I think I've sat in his class as well and really enjoyed it. Too. Probably so. Yeah. But it's been now four years. Yep. since I sat in his class, and it's it's kind of a distant memory. Mm -hmm. But I know I always, that class has always impressed me. Yep. That's had good teachers. Well, Bob is a graduate of Ozark Christian College, you okay. know, and, uh, um, and so he's had, he's had training. I went to Central Christian College of the Bible, um, and so I would like to think that that helped prepare us to, mm -hmm. to at least do a halfway decent job with Sunday school. Um, uh, and so I became I became a Christian. And if you've cheated your way through an entire grade of school and you decide not to do that, the next year's a lot harder <laughs> because, because you have to uh, you actually have to do your own work of yeah. all things. Um, and so that was really my experience becoming a Christian. Um, and then as time went on uh, through church camp, um, I made a decision to go to Bible college and and enter into the ministry, which I did. I went to as I said to Central Christian College of the Bible and. I served in ministry for 16 years uh, in several different roles and places, which we could talk about if you like, or, sure. or other things. Yeah. Um, um, my first, well, I guess in some ways, my first regular ministry was in college. There was a little church in a, a small town about an hour north of where I went to school called South Gifford, Missouri. Mm -hmm. uh, north Gifford at that time was a bean field and still is. It had, it, it had <laughs> been lost to history, but South Gifford was still there. Um, and I preached there every Sunday, 15, maybe 20 people on a good, a good Sunday, and really just um, worked out how to do that. And get, I mean, I had been taught, we had done, well, I had been in a couple of uh, elective preaching classes in church camp that had been really good for me. Mm -hmm. Really, I learned to put the basics of Electric a sermon together there. Classes? Yeah, you in had church to, camp. At church camp, you had to give up uh, an hour or more of your afternoon free time to be in the class. I don't think, and as you know, I've been in ministry about 50 years or 48 uh -huh. years. I have never been to a church camp that had an elective preaching class. Now, I remember early on years ago when Christian service camp was really about service and committing to sure. full-time service, but I I have never been to one. It was like great. Uh, he's since passed. I went to college with his son, a gentleman named Raymond Bond, who was preacher in Macon, Missouri, an excellent preacher. 
uh, taught the class and, and it had a limited number of spots. It was filled both years I was in it. And we learned the basics of putting together the ser a sermon. We put together pretty short sermons. And then the last morning of the camp on Friday morning, we would, we would preach them one after another and got that experience uh, doing that. And, and really, um, uh, I guess I kind of skipped over some things um, in terms of how I ended up in ministry, but that made a huge difference. That made a big impact. Prior to that, um, the preacher here, a gentleman named Morris McNeely, had, um, he would talk to us boys about, we ought to consider being preachers. And uh, then we got enough age on us, he started asking us to, to take a Sunday night. So yeah. a boy named Charlie Hendricks and myself split Sunday night. We were supposed to do 10 minutes each to fill 20 minutes. We maybe had eight and a half minutes total together, <laughs> um, but we did it. Uh, and, and Morris was an interesting character. He had been a first sergeant in the Army for 20 years before he became a preacher. He'd done two tours of duty in Vietnam. And I think one of the main reasons why I said yes to preaching on Sunday night was because I had literally never seen anybody tell him no. Uh, <laughs> he was not a person you said no to. He was the first sergeant in the Army, and you just said, right. yes, sir. But that was good for me. It got me, it got me started. And then, of course, I had the two um, classes in camp It really... That really, I'd had enough experience to know, I don't know what I'm doing when I sit down to try to write one of these sermons. And so right. the classes at camp came along perfect, where I went, oh, okay, here's, a, here's some basics I can hang my hat on. Right. And then when I went off to college, um, uh, you know, took more preaching classes my freshman year, and then the summer after my freshman year, I started to preach at Gifford. So we're kind of full circle back to where, to where we were. Um, and that was an excellent experience because I could just, just work it out week after week. You have to you have to do class and do all the things you're doing and have a sermon ready to go, um, and and you're just hashing it out in front of a handful of people who are a hundred percent for you. In many ways, that was their ministry to me, not my ministry to them. They were they were aligned. They did that with the that church took a number of boys. Um, uh, one right after the other. I was there for three of the four years I was in college. Um, a gentleman named John Rawls uh, was there, you know, a student for a couple of years before that. Um, our preacher, Jamie, his brother-in-law followed me. He was there for several years of his school time. Uh, they they kind of got a lot of us launched and started, and that church has since closed. Um, um, but they, they did a world of good for a, a number of young men getting started and helped get them started. There, there are a lot of churches that have helped. My first ministry, I, I can't imagine, I've said I don't know why they would hire me except that they were as desperate as I was. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I, I had really almost no training in how to write a sermon. Uh, I was learning on my own and, and uh, I'm so grateful. And that church is gone now as well. So we don't really have, uh, you know, I, I have run across a few of them at a funeral here and there, but but uh, they, the fact that they would allow me to speak, I realize now, mm -hmm. it wasn't that I was doing them good; they were doing me good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and one of the things there that was a good training ground just for planning things and and making something happen other than a sermon was every summer we they still did a VBS. 
And yeah. so I planned and executed, probably pretty poorly, but I did it, uh, you know, three oh. VBSs, and that gave me experience of doing doing something other than preaching and teaching that involved ministry. That so, so when you went there, did you know you were going to be doing VBS, or did they just say, oh, VBS is in three months, here you go? Oh, it wasn't three months, because I started, originally I was only supposed to fill in for John Rawls for the summer while he was gone. Um, and I think I probably found out that VBS was right around the corner that first summer and didn't oh realize it. So VBS is a yeah, big job, yeah, even yeah. in a small church. Yes, yeah, because you still have to do all the stuff to sure. have it. You know, right. even 15 kids or 50 kids or 100, you still have to do all the stuff <laughs> or, or most of the stuff, you know. Right. And um, um, so I executed uh, three VBSs there, and, and that gave me some experience with... Uh, with planning things and executing on them and, and making something happen. And probably the, the best preacher story, if you will, or the most exciting thing that happened there, or, um, there was a young boy who was, I was about 10 or 11 at the time, and he came to that VBS. And then he kind of started to come to the church. Then he wanted me to come over to his house and eat lunch and throw a baseball around. And so we did that. And, and then his, his mom came. And then sometime shortly after making that connection, he found out that he had a grapefruit-sized tumor in the front between his skull and his brain in the front of his brain. Oh. And he was going to have to have... Um, a pretty extensive like eight-hour surgery in St. Louis to to remove this tumor. It's going to be pretty serious. And of course, the community there rallied and started raising money, and people were praying. And and you know, his his him and his mom were were very open to church and to God. And and uh, he wanted to be baptized. His dad was very reluctant, not interested in all of that, or didn't seem to be. And so the day for the surgery came, and uh, my dad actually went with me because I'd never, I had, I didn't know what to do with with this, you know. Mm -hmm. So we drive down to St. Louis and got there, which should have been in the middle of the eight hours, and he was already out of surgery. It only took about three and a half or four hours, because wow. that tumor was being fed by one blood vessel and one blood vessel only, and I had never met the doctor, but I would like to because he told. The boy's dad, he said, there's some things we can only explain by prayer. This shouldn't have happened. You know, it's, oh. it's within the realm of the natural possibilities that'd be fed by one. That doctor had never seen it before, though. Right. And so dad's attitude changed very quickly to, to all things. And, and the young man made a, a, a pretty swift recovery. And a week or so later, um, I got to baptize both of them in the La Plata Lake. The, the, the dad son and well. the dad. Yep. Oh. And I baptized the son first, and I waited out far enough to baptize a 10-year-old boy. Hmm. Then I didn't go out any further for the six-foot-four dad. <laughs> and I got him down, but I wasn't certain I was going to be able to get him back up because I didn't have enough water, you know. Right. And I almost drowned him, but he, we managed to get him back out of the water. <laughs> so I learned a practical lesson there about yeah. uh, just go out deep enough for the tallest person, you know. Uh, if you're baptizing at a lake, and so that was um, that was an excellent, uh, excellent experience all the way around there um, that I had. So, so you were there until you graduated. There until I graduated. Um, till I should have graduated. I had 
one, two classes and an internship that the registrar told me, if you don't follow this, you're going to end up being here an extra semester. And I honestly didn't mind. I was enjoying college so much. I didn't mind right. being around an extra semester. So I was there until uh, the summer I should have already graduated. And that summer I interned um, my, my mom's, all my mom's brothers are preachers actually, but my mom's, really? yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but I interned with her oldest brother, Earl Ferguson, out in uh, the southern suburbs of Chicago for the summer. What a change from Vendetta. It was different, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've been preaching in a church of 15 or 20, and Vandalia at the time was a couple of hundred in a rural setting, and, and the church at that time at Deer Creek was between 800 and 1,000, and, and so it was, that was a different experience as well. A uh, very enjoyable one. Too short, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of didn't want to do an internship. I didn't want to give up a summer, and if I had to do over again, I'd probably do a year-long would have done a year-long internship somewhere just to get the full calendar right. of experience, you know, uh, with a seasoned minister. Um, so I did that summer internship and came back and finished up my uh, couple of classes. But it worked out well because that extra semester was my wife's very first semester at Central. So that's when I met her. Oh, okay. And if I hadn't, you know, messed up my schedule... Right. I probably would have met her in passing in some way, but but maybe not enough to uh, uh, to end up married to her. What, so. what year was, was that that you that summer came? I uh, ninety seven, the summer of ninety seven. Yeah, so I actually you had to get that right because your wife will listen to this. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I always yeah. like to pull that kind of a bunch of yeah. <laughs> we didn't start dating. Uh, we didn't date for almost two. We knew each other for almost two and a half years. She was just in oh. a circle of friends that I had. And when I took my first ministry, I was a bachelor preacher in a town of a couple of thousand in a more sparsely populated county than this one. I was in a, in Memphis, Missouri, um, yep. almost up into Iowa. I'm, Great experience there. Yeah. But on my days off, I would come back down to college and see friends and and she was in that circle now. Right. And so uh, about two and a half, or well, two years later, I guess, uh, I asked her on our first date, and five months later, we were married. Well, well you didn't know her a long time. Well, I, I knew mean, her. Yeah. I, I, when I asked her on the first date, I'd already made up my mind that unless I found out something I didn't already know. Right. Uh, uh, and I joke, I wasted five months dating her. I should have just asked her to marry me and skipped all that. You know? <laughs> but uh, We should say, and, and, and in case she found something that she didn't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah let's so, make her happy with the whole program true. here. That's so, true. Yes, that is true. So uh, you were in Memphis, Missouri? That's Memphis, Missouri. Yeah. Now tell us about the church there. Oh, the church there, very, very similar to the church here uh, in size and, and age and town situation, rural community, you know, uh, lots of farmers and things of that nature. So it was a, it was a really good fit for me. Mm -hmm. um, it was very fortunate right out of the gate. You know, a lot of preachers in there, and, and it was, it was well, I, you say an accident, but probably Providence. When I had that extra semester and I started applying to churches, because I'm like, well, come December, January, I, I need somewhere to go. I was talking to, I think I was talking to Jamie about this the other day. I think I applied to 20, some, 22 open churches. Just I was just looking for anybody that would take a preacher fresh out of college to get my feet right. wet and get started. That was 20, 
six years ago. I haven't heard from a single one of those churches yet. Nobody's <laughs> called me back. Well, you know, <laughs> and, and 26 years ago, people, churches weren't as desperate as they are now. Yeah, that's true. Because, and even then, I remember in the 70s, we talked about a preacher shortage. And so there was a, somewhat of a shortage back in the 90s, but nothing like we have today. Yeah. But even at that, even at that, I talked to a young man this week that, that uh, you, you would know that said, uh, he's looking for churches. I said, well, we, we know a lot of churches that are looking. And he said, well, tell them to hurry up because <laughs> yeah. I'm getting ready to graduate and nobody's getting back to me. Yep. And I don't know why this is at churches. At times in the past when I've looked for a church, uh, I, a church will get back to me and say, well, we're, we're very interested. And that's the last I hear from them. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I'm I'm ready to make a move. I'm ready to do something. Yeah. I don't I don't understand this uh, uh, dragging your feet. I mean, I understand doing your homework. You've got to do your homework. You need to know if man you're hiring if he's doctrinally solid, if he is uh, uh, if he is financially solid, if he's not left bills everywhere he's mm -hmm. been and and not paid off his bills. And a lot of things, but. But just to drag your feet is, is not a good thing. It's not. It's difficult for a committee of volunteers mm -hmm. with with day jobs to move fast. Right. Um, and also, you know, probably fairly like we want to we want to get this right, and maybe nervous about not getting it right. Right. Because you, know? um, you you don't you don't end up on a committee to hire a preacher every day. There's who who has that experience. Right. You know. Um, uh, some people do, you know, they've been on them several times, but a lot of times, okay, how do we do this? And, and so it does um, move, unfortunately, and slower than we'd so like the, it to. The, the church in Memphis was 100 people, 150? Uh, the church in Memphis was about 165 when I went there. Wow, now that's, that is something for a young man right out of Bible college. It was the college they were in between they had been look, they had been looking for a preacher at the time they hired me they'd been looking for nine months okay. they were really ready for somebody <laughs> and they had had one individual get all the way through the process and and miss the vote by just a handful of votes mm. you know I think he had that 80 percent and he had like 76 or something and oh. so that was just the uh, poor Glenn Lister great guy one of the elders there just uh, and he was lead, you know, he was leading the way on on getting a preacher. And I think when that happened, I think he just felt like the floor fell out from underneath <laughs> him. You know, talking to him about it later. But um, the college sent me up there to supply preach. Yeah. Several Sundays, and so they heard me preach, and we got to know each other a little bit. Uh, one of my better friends from college. Uh, well, I was actually friends with him and his wife. We all started college at the same time. She was uh, she was from there. So there was a little bit of a connection. And uh, after several, and the college kept sending me back, and after several Sundays, Glenn sat down in a pew next to me and said, would you consider, you know, being our preacher? And I thought, well, since you're in the first church that's even remotely had any interest, I didn't say that to him. Yes, I would consider being your preacher. So the process started at the interviews, and the yeah, I remember... <clears throat> uh, Glenn really, and it was just a good thing. He really liked to include people, make sure everybody was in on things. And so was going to have a, an interview with sort of a, a small cross-section of the church. Mm. And he kept inviting people. I, I interviewed in a room not, uh, not much bigger than this one that probably had, I probably was interviewed by 25 people. It's almost like a press conference. Right, yeah. it's a full room. Yeah, it was yeah. a full room. Yeah. And, uh, but it, it ended up being fun. And I just had one... Mm. 
one issue with it and one issue only. I wanted to make a decision to go there, not to, I mean, it was a great opportunity. I wanted to go. Right. But I wanted to decide to go, not, well, this is the only place that would take me. Right. Home. I've been there. So I was praying about that, and lo and behold, uh, uh, one church, I guess I lied when I said none of the churches, a church in Divine, Texas, just south of San Antonio, called me and said, we're interested in you being our preacher, and, they, and, and I told Glenn, I said, I, I, need to, I need to just see so that I can make a decision. And he was okay with that, even though they had been looking for a long time and they were ready to hire me. And so I flew down to Divine and had a good experience there, but knew right away this was not. Right. It was an easy. It was an easy decision. Great church. When I lived in San Antonio, because I moved up here from San Antonio, one Sunday we just drove down there and went to church. Yeah. And there was like two guys that remembered. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember when we interviewed we interviewed you, uh, just to see how they were doing. They were still up and going and. And, uh, uh, and that was a fun experience to, to just uh, to see where things went with them after right. I made my decision. But, but I decided to, uh, obviously, to take the church in Memphis and uh, really was blessed right out of the gate. Uh, a lot of preachers have horror stories with their first church. Right. And, uh, and elder horror stories. And I could not have had a better group of guys who handled things better, at least... In relation to me being fresh out of Bible college and not really knowing which end was up, um, probably the best thing they did was instead of meeting once a month, they all worked, you know, within a few miles of the church building. We just had lunch together every Monday. And it wasn't to keep their thumb on the new guy. They were looking out for me. They even told me they, they really had liked the the preacher they'd had before had been their youth minister and then their preacher, great guy, uh, another central graduate. And they just said, we, f we sort of feel like we let Tim down and we want to make sure we don't do that. Right. And so uh, I think the eating together because creates the bond. And then if you're just taking care of whatever week to week, nothing builds up to a big long meeting, mm -hmm. you know, on a Monday night that lasts up in the night or anything like that. I didn't feel untethered from, well, okay, what, is, what, what am I to be doing here? Um, and that was, just, uh, that was just an excellent... I really liked that idea. Uh, yeah. And I, I, and I understand it wouldn't work in a lot of situations because sure. guys couldn't get in for lunch on every Monday. But, sure. um, but if it does, I highly recommend it. We went, when we moved from Colorado to Oklahoma to Tulsa area, the church we went to had been without a preacher for a year. And they were trying to, the elders and deacons and youth ministers, they're all trying to keep things together. But they decided that they needed to meet with their wives once a month and just fellowship. Mm -hmm. Just just them. They weren't trying to cut anybody else out in the church, but they were working hard to keep the church together and they needed to, to have a time of fellowship with, with them where they weren't dealing with business. When we moved there, I had... Uh, this was the uh, mid-80s, and uh, I'd been in ministry probably about 11 years, 11, 12 years, and I had never seen anything like it because they said, we're going to continue that. And when I went to the first one, uh, it was hosted at one, of the, at one of the homes of one of the elders or deacons, and we had a nice meal, and then somebody was in charge of games, of all things. <laughs> And we had what I thought were some pretty old guys. Now, I was 30 when I moved there. Sure. But I thought some pretty old guys, and no matter what the game was, 
everybody participated. And there was laughter and joking, and then sometimes there was a relay, relay race, and people were out in the backyard falling over each other. And that was one of the best relationships I ever had with a, with a group of leaders in church, elders and deacons yep. total. And I think it was just that we, we had our meetings, but we also had this time of just being friends, yep. and that really helped a great deal. If you can have that camaraderie, that sense of we're in this together, we have different roles right. to play, but we're in this together, um, it, it can be a really wonderful experience, and, and good things can happen from that. So how long were you in Memphis? I was at Memphis for three years almost to the day, mm -hmm. um, and I've often wondered if I should not have stayed longer. Yeah. Um, but first, you know, first full-time ministries. Yeah, yeah, and... I always, I always wonder that, and then I'm like, everybody thinks hindsight is 2020, but it's not, because I don't know that if I'd stayed one day longer, that that wouldn't have been the day that something took an awful turn. You know what I mean? You right. think it's not going to. You think if you'd have zigged instead of zagged, it all worked out great. Right. You, have no, you have no idea. Right. You know, yeah, you have no idea. So, so. You, you had a wonderful ministry, and had you stayed a day longer, it could have turned into a tragic ministry. It could have. It could have been a you tragedy. Don't, you don't know. You know? And, and no. maybe it wouldn't have. Maybe yep. it never would have, but you just don't know. And it was really a, a combination of things that, there were a couple of things. that when I, was, when I was now married, I got married the summer my last year uh, there, um, and my wife was still in school, so she was spending th three days in Moberly, or four, and then the other part of the week uh, with me in Memphis, and the next semester was going to be like five days and two days, and so it was, it was going to decrease the amount right. of time. So that, that had a bit of an impact on the decision. And then Central at that time, um, a person I'd become friends with, I'm still friends with, um, a uh, gentleman named uh, Russell James. He's one of the board members of the Christian Restoration Association currently. He became president of the college, and um, they began to transition to a full scholarship model. And the school really began to grow, and he got the school out of debt. They were operating debt-free year to year, paid down the debt they had. Um, there was one unfunded liability left, and he was working on that. And I was just excited about what he was doing. Right. And he offered me a job in the development department. Uh, and so I took that job, um, which helped with my wife's school bills, let us live in the same town together. Right. It was an exciting opportunity. I had some interest in church planning, and I'm like, well, I'll need to be able to raise some money if I'm interested in doing that. It'd right. give me some experience with that. And and got to be a part of this exciting transition. And so that all played, uh, played into that decision. But um, Sounds like it was a smart decision for, a, for a new, newlyweds. Yes, yes, yeah. and yet there's part of it that says, well, a preacher should have kept preaching. You know? yeah. I did say to him, I said, I, it, any Sunday that I can be booked to preach, I, I need to be allowed to do that and booked to do it. And, I, you know, and so I did keep preaching quite a little bit mm -hmm. um, over that time. And I was there... The time starts to get away on me. You get sure. past those early years that, that really in your head because everything was new and everything right. was fresh, and then it just all becomes a blur. <laughs> it's like, I have four children, and I was like, I remember what went on with the first one. I remember what went on with the last one. I'm sorry, you middle two. You're just kind of a blur. Yeah, those middle so, kids. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah. So, I understand. Which is not entirely true, but I, yeah. <laughs> I tease them that that's the case. But uh, So you were with back at Moberly? Yep, I was back Central, at Moberly. Central College of the Bible. Mm -hmm. and Spent quite a bit of time on the road for a stretch because um, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of 
churches that were interested in what we were doing that had never been supporters of the school, never uh, hadn't been aware of the school. And so, um, I mean, you've been doing traveling like this for years, but right. we, we spent about five months just, my wife would schedule them and I would go do missions meetings, elders meetings, Sunday morning, you know, pre presenting the full scholarship program, how it worked, mm -hmm. uh, what it looked like, what we were trying to accomplish with it uh, to a lot of different churches. I calculated up in that five months, we were only in our apartment one month of the five. But you, you had to wow. calculate, I mean, and not in a row, was if you took all right. the days we were back there and stacked them together, right. it was one month out of that five so probably months. during that time you were preaching some of those Sundays too. Yes, I was preaching churches. a lot of those Sundays yeah. as well, yeah. Spent 21 days in Kansas driving around to different churches, so. Well, Kansas could take you 21 days. Yeah, right? yeah well, yeah. <laughs> Even just a section of it. Yeah, that's know? true, yeah. that's true. I, I, so. I tease it, I've, I've spent a lot of my life driving through Kansas mm -hmm. because I, I had seven years in Colorado and we were, we were from, my wife was from Florida, I was from Arkansas. And so I was going back and when I was in Colorado, I did a lot of revivals. Uh, when I was in ministry in Colorado, I did a lot of revivals back in, in Arkansas and, and that area. And then to go see family. And during those years, the speed limit was 55 miles an hour on the interstate. Yeah. And oh, it just took forever. And then after we moved back to the South and the Mid-South, then I started getting calls to hold revivals in Colorado. And so I'll turn around going back the other way. I was always being chased by tornadoes or trying oh, to run sure. them or one yep. thing or another. But it's hazardous out there. It is. It is. <laughs> so how long were you with this? It was a couple of years, uh, something like that. Um, and then I, was, I, I did uh, do fundraising. I was involved in a new church plant in uh, uh, Coralville, Iowa, which is the Iowa City area. Mm -hmm. um, was involved with that for a couple of years. We got off the ground and uh, and kind of got going as my first uh, uh, unpleasant experience in ministry mm. some things went sideways not with the folks that were attending the church um, uh, but that that situation ended poorly and I was a, I was adrift and I found out later a little bit more about why and it none of its there's no there's no lessons to be learned in a podcast revisiting that All situation. Right. I'll put it that I way. If we were one-on-one -on -one or, or a younger guy that say, you know, what would you do different about that? I would discuss that with him. But, right. um, um, and, and while I was sort of in limbo, I'd made friends with um, uh, a preacher at a, at a Nazarene church plant, mm -hmm. and he was having problems um, with... Um, I, had, I had some problems with... The primary funding organization. Okay. He was having problems with his denomination, right? And he was very interested in what is this non-denominational thing all about, right? And knew I came from a non-denominational background and church, and so we talked about that. And he was in need of some help, also. He just, just I think, overwhelmed with the with the situation uh, to some degree. I don't want to put words in his mouth. I would have been overwhelmed, I guess I'd put it that way. And so I talked to him about it, and they. It did not become a restoration movement church, but they did exit their denomination, and I worked with them on a part-time basis for six or eight months or so. Uh, uh, ran a small capital campaign. They were really wanting to get some funding going to start a building and, and ran a small capital campaign for them. Took some of the preaching duties off of, uh, Jeff is the preacher's name, took some preaching duties off of his shoulders and really just sort of helped me kind of get over my right. situation and get back 
get my feet back in it. Well, you know, I don't. Um, my grandfather told me so many years ago. He said, "Never turn down an opportunity to preach." Yeah. He said, "Doesn't matter where it is. Doesn't matter if it's a denominational church." Uh, but you, you preach the word, go ahead and preach the word, but never turn down an opportunity because yeah. God's opening the door yeah. for people to hear the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so I've never turned down that opportunity. Yeah, and everybody there, I mean, they had been immersed as repentant believers mm -hmm. in Christ. They just would have said it was an outward sign of an inward something, most likely. Right. You know, um, I, I don't know. God's going to hold that sentence against them or not. I preached to them and, and, and helped out in the situation and had a good experience with it. But it wasn't a situation that was going to, there was no, no two full-time guys or anything right. like that in that situation. And so um, it was time for me to go, okay, I've got a, I got a wife. I've got three kids now. <laughs> I've, I've got a, yeah, this, this, I, I, I've helped all I can afford to help. So, right. um, yeah. And uh, interest. <laughs> This isn't really a ministry story, but one of the most interesting things that happened at that time was I ended up delivering my third child, Phoebe. Um, uh, she's been here for the revival. Uh, two of my children are gone from home and two of them are still at home. And uh, we had planned for home birth, had two um, midwives. And when time came for the delivery day, uh, I came home um, and it was about maybe 5.20, 5.30, and Linnea said, oh, it's going to happen tonight. And I said, okay. I said, I'll take, we had, we had some friends we arranged to take the kids to. I'll take the kids over to Brock and Monica's, and, and I'll be back. She said, well, I'm going to make supper. And I'm like, you're getting ready to, you're going into labor. You don't need to be. She said, I, need, like my wife. <laughs> I need something to do, she said. Right. So I'm leaving with the two kids, and our next-door neighbor, Don, she says, is it time? And I said, Yeah. She says, do you want me to go in and be with Linnea? I said, you can, but it's, we've been through this. It's going to be probably 11, 11.30 tonight. She says, well, I'm going to go in and be with her anyway. I said, okay. So I drove and dropped the kids off, and I got back at about uh, 6 o'clock. I had a baby in my arms at 6.15. Oh. Three tornadoes went through downtown Iowa City that day, at that very time. And what we think is the barometric pressure dropped and Phoebe was just just born and born quickly. And then about two minutes after she was born, the paramedics showed up. So I was glad Dawn went in because she'd went in, she'd put the plastic down and all that type of stuff. Oh and, my goodness. And, uh, um, and I was fine with everything until she hadn't taken a breath. And Linnea kept saying, as long as we're connected, she's fine. I'm like, this kid is taking a breath. And I kept thumping her on the foot and smacking her. And she finally <laughs> kind of screamed and took a breath and started screaming. I'm like, okay, now I'm fine with things. But uh, uh, I, uh, ladies don't like it when I joke about this, but I always say, well, it was, wasn't new to me. I once had uh, five mothers in labor who gave birth to 40 babies. They were pigs, but yeah. but I had experienced this before. So yeah, don't write me uh, going letters, up on the farm. Letters, if you want to edit that out, if you feel no, like that's not going to play well, there. you go ahead. I'm leaving. You uh, hung yourself already. So. But it came in handy having had that experience sure, on the farm. It, it wasn't as uh, yeah, it's easier for uh, it people who have been raised on a farm. Throw me, I think, like it might right. have if I hadn't had that experience. I, I'm grateful that all mine were born in the hospital because I, my wife would tell you, I probably would just passed out. <laughs> and uh, our second one was actually was born in a blizzard. Yep. And I was able to get the oldest to where she was supposed to go and get my wife to the hospital 
but it was in, in the plains of Colorado, and yep. when the blizzard comes there, it really comes. This is another one of those, I mean, not me uh, doing the, the reason why the midwives weren't there, they had both gone shopping that day different directions. They were an hour away, and, uh, and they should have been able to get back in plenty of time if it had happened normally. Right. But they, they didn't. I mean, they showed up really quickly, but it, but it already happened. Um, but if we had, you know, if it's another kind of a providential thing. If we had done what we did with our son before, we'd have been driving right down downtown, right into where all the tornadoes were. Yeah. Um, and so Phoebe used We'd to say... We'd say that's a she, God thing. Yeah. Phoebe used yeah. to say when she was little, she was born in the tomatoes. <laughs> it's because she couldn't say tornado. So... Uh, so that happened, and then I, I uh, went on staff at a, at a, a fairly large church uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I was, they, they, had a, they were opening a second campus. I originally did the preaching at that second campus. And that was, um, uh, you know, the internship it was my Uncle Earl and Aunt Pat, and, and so that was very familiar. But, but I would, the, the church ran at the time, the, the the original campus ran at the time, not the campus I was preaching at, ran 4,000 in a weekend, that kind of a thing. Right. And so I would stand, I'm like, there are more people in here than live in my hometown. Right. Why am I here exactly? <laughs> and, uh, and it was very surreal, you know, having grown up in the Midwest, that the ocean was just 15, right. 20 minutes that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we never really became beach people. Uh, people look at you weird when you wear cowboy boots to the beach. I don't, I don't know what that was about, but um, uh, but it was always very surreal to me that the that the ocean was just right over there. Having grown up in the Midwest, and was there about five and a half years. Now, did various which jobs. Church was that uh, Christ Church in Mandarin, Florida, which is a southern suburb of Jacksonville. Yeah, I, I know of that church. I've yep. not been there, but I know of it. Mm-hmm. Sure, and. Um, so the first year I did the preaching at the second campus, and then um, uh, then I came over to uh, the original campus, and probably my favorite thing that I got to do while I was there was I taught the new members class. Oh, I always so enjoyed that. Every and, and it was just it was just it really what it was was it was a salvation class, uh, right? Because there was more stuff that got more classes and small group that got you involved in the church. What I got to do was tell every single person that came new to the church the gospel. Oh. I, I told for that three, four year stretch, I got to tell all of them the gospel, and that was my favorite thing that I yeah. got to do uh, while I was there. I really enjoyed getting to do that, and there was a lot of other experiences. You know, you just you see some things at scale um, that you hadn't seen before. I remember back when I was at Memphis, we hired. Um, a weekend children's minister, a young gal, and she'd grown up going to a church of six, seven, eight hundred, and did an excellent job. And I just remember thinking, she just, she just thinks of things in a in a bigger way than I do, just because of her experience of having seen right. it. Uh, and she just did an excellent job. And and that was very much in my experience at this church. You just and my internship, you just see things. Um, Sometimes it's at a scale. Sometimes like, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. That that would work no matter what size you were at. You know, different right. things of that nature. So they were, they were uh, uh, sometimes challenging experiences, but but learning experiences and good ones. You know, and all the folks. Um, that's another thing with with one, with with one exception that happens a little later in the story. 
all the all the church people, I I, I they're great. Mm -hmm. I, I really like church people. Um, <laughs> uh, we always more or less got along, and yeah. and I always liked them, and and so the folks at Memphis were really great to me, and the the folks that attended the church plant were wonderful to me and wrote read letters of recommendation for me, you know, after, you know, things didn't go so great there. All the, all the folks that I, that I met at, uh, at uh, Christ Church there in Jacksonville were, uh, were wonderful to us uh, as well. Um, although it is interesting also, because I got a chance to preach, you know, I'd preach two or three times a year at that campus and you realize there are people who know you and you don't know them. Oh yeah. And so you're out somewhere and they maybe have heard you preach twice and you've never met them, but they know who you are. And that's a that's a different experience as well. You've probably maybe experienced yeah. that with all the traveling and places you've oh, preached. Absolutely. Yeah. We've we've we'll run yeah. into people somewhere and they'll say, I know you from yeah. and and I'm trying to place because they're not in the place the building where I would recognize them, you know. And, sure. And, uh, but my, one of my sons-in-law had an experience. He was children's minister in a large church. And the first time he, he was called upon to preach, because they had three large buildings there, mm -hmm. and his whole children's ministry was in the original building. And he got up and introduced himself to the congregation. He said, I'm the children's guy, and most of you don't know me. Unless yeah. you've got kids who, that you bring over there, you don't yeah. know who I am, because he's always over there. Yep. And uh, so... After Jacksonville, I, I will point this out that you know there's always connections. We always find connections somewhere. Oh sure. My wife Beth was born in Jacksonville. Oh Florida. okay. Yeah. So we huh. and and she spent some time uh, a year or two living with her aunt and uncle in Jacksonville when she was a little girl, and and uh, uh, and uh, attended one of the one of the non-instrumental churches there. Yeah. But after Jacksonville, because I can see I'm I'm taking a look at our time here and. I, I don't know if probably our listeners can't hear it, but there's a band out there practicing. Yeah. We're going to have we're going to have revival for too long. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, after Jacksonville, let's... I lied when I said I didn't like to talk about myself, didn't I? Oh, <laughs> you're just talking about a ram right. rambling and rambling and rambling. If I can get a preacher going, right. <laughs> so um, as things wound up at Jacksonville, I I don't like the term burnout, but um, for a variety of reasons, I was becoming a bit frustrated with with uh, uh, occupational ministry and and different things. And and I said to my wife, I said, um, "We're gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna take a church. I want to. I want to. You know, I wanted to be preaching again and regularly. And um, and then if we're there two months or twenty years, whatever I do next, I'm gonna do something different next for for at least a while." Right. Um, and because I knew I wasn't going to be, there were, there were several reasons. I, I, I took a church um, in San Antonio, Texas that was really small, shouldn't have been. Um, and I knew, I knew it had had a, a, a long problem history. Mm -hmm. It had not, not had a great history. I think there was a stretch early on where it had a good history, but it had not had a good history for quite a while. There had been... Right. Uh, the same problem had reared its head over and over again. And I said, okay, I'm gonna, I want to try this since I'm not going to be looking for a ministry after this. Uh, I'm just, I'll just do what I think ought to be done. Right. Um, and what I did was speed the process up. We grew faster than they had. The problem reared its head faster than it had. And it all sort of came to a head and, and uh, uh, kind of imploded. And, and uh, so I was there about a year and three or four months. I will say I, I still 
would stand by, I think it's about the best year I ever turned in in ministry. Of the 16 years, I was in full-time mm -hmm. uh, ministry after Bible college, probably the best year I turned in um, of the 16. And uh, I had had a hobby of, uh, um, that I kind of taught myself to do um, web development and then web application development. And so I sort of, I sort of flip-flopped. The hobby became the career and the career became, not that preaching and ministry is ever a hobby, but it, it right. you know, and that's, and I, people always ask me, I say, well, I'm on indefinite sabbatical. That's how I always say it, but it's gotten longer than I intended it to be. Right. Um, uh, uh, so I do intend at some point uh, to go back to occupational ministry. Um, and so there's non-ministry related work stuff. I lived in San Antonio for, for quite a stretch and then about, uh, I guess, a little over two and a half years ago now, um, in the middle of all the lockdowns, right. we had been sent home. The, the company I worked for had even let the lease go on the building they'd been in since, like, I think, the 80s. And um, um, part of the way through that, I said, do you care if I move back to Missouri? Because we were a pretty distributed team. Like, I've never met my boss in person. Mm -hmm. um, he and I talk, talk every, every day almost in meetings, and I've never met him in person. Uh, and they said, we don't really care where you are. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm going to move back uh, to the hometown. And I am um, back in the farmhouse where I spent the first nine years of my life. I sleep about 50 feet from where I slept as a baby. Wow. And uh, it's been really good. Um, you know, the church here in Vandalia has always been home to me. Mm -hmm. um, not just because my parents are here, but because the church means so much to me. They, they taught me about Jesus. They set the good example. They had men you could look up to who were teaching my class when I was six years old. Right. Um, they did these things for me. And, and the time back here has been really good for me um, because of this church. And then, of course, it's, it's uh, good to have my kids back near my parents. Um, right. When we lived That's in San Antonio, they wintered five months a year down in the valley in Texas. So they were, they were close five months out of the year. But that was wrapping up for them. They don't go anymore. Um, and so the timing was really, really excellent on that. And so now you're serving as one of the elders. Yep, I serve as one of the elders here at the church. And, uh, and but you bring this experience with you, both, both sides of the pulpit. Yeah. And that, that's yep. a good thing. But uh, I, I'll say, as I've said many times, and I've said it here in front of the people of the church, uh, we think highly of the church in Vandalia because you know who you are. A lot, a lot of churches don't know who they are. You know who you are. You know where you stand with the Bible. Your, your people are still strong in the Bible. Yep. And um, in this church, uh, I, I have seen over the years I've been here, this is my fifth revival with the church. I have seen that this church puts a great deal of emphasis on, on their preachers being biblically literate yep. and, and knowing the word. And and uh, and they know. And the elders here have always impressed me as as men who care about the church. They care about what what is taught here, and uh, they're they're good guys. Uh, some of them seem like they'd be a lot of fun to be around. <laughs> uh, like a lot of times, a lot of farmers are fun and to be around. And and uh, but they're not going to put up with foolishness. Depends what when, time of year it is. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, like this time of year when all the farm equipment is out on the highways <coughs> yeah. and moving around. and, and Combines washed and put in the shed. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. 
But uh, anything else <coughs> you'd like to share before we go? Because we're going to have to wrap this up. Um, you know, I think uh, as far as in terms of telling my story, if we if we had the time, I'd love to talk about preaching and and I have um, being on the other side things I suspicioned, which is um, we we should value volunteer hours more than we do, yes. and be careful, very careful about budgeting them on behalf of our people that we're not wasting their volunteer time. Right. I think I think volunteer time is more valuable to a church than money. And we're really careful with the money and we're really sloppy with the volunteer time. Right. Um, and, and we should probably sit down and actually evaluate it and budget it. Is this, this program requires this many volunteer hours. Is it worth our people's time or would their time be better spent over here if we let this go? Um, that exactly. kind of thing. I suspected that when I was on that side of the fence and it's only been confirmed on this side of the fence. Yeah. Um, I can I, I yeah. can totally agree with that. Yeah, Let, let's find out what is what is working, what is worth our time mm-hmm. and our effort, because it's not just our our finances; it, it's our time and talent too that yeah. needs to be given to God. And we really need to be careful that we're not overextending people and that we're putting them and allowing them to serve in a place where they can really thrive yeah. and and do something good for the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well. But um, but I guess that's uh, that's enough to end on. All right uh, for today. Well, I I do appreciate you being with us. And, Thank you. And it just really has been good. And I hope in a few years when I come back, maybe we can just get together and discuss ministry and all that's going on. Oh, that'd be great. With that, I would like to do that'd that. That'd be great. Thank you again. Well, for Well, I appreciate with us. the time. Thank you. This concludes another Frontline Servants program. Keep listening for more programs like this as well as our Just Preaching and Just Music programs. And would you do something for us listeners? If this program has been an encouragement to you, tap the like and follow buttons, share it with your friends and co-workers in Christ, leave a comment, rate the program, and maybe even share the link on your social media site. We would certainly appreciate that. Until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.